welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about the kickoff to our 15th book, man. Yeah. On the 10-year anniversary of Troy Denning's Vortex. Coincidence? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Our stars have a line. <laughs> absolute, absolute coincidence. We set the schedule and we don't do any of it on purpose. We just try to get here every Monday <laughs> and talk to each other about the books for an hour. But this week just so happens to be happy 10th birthday to this very green book. Yes. <clears throat> and this week, we're going to cover the first four chapters that start exactly how I want, <laughs> have exactly as much action as I want, a lot, <laughs> and avoid all the things I don't want. Chapter five, apparently. <laughs> but first, bum, bum, bum. Previously, on Forever Canon, we talked about Christy Golden's allies from front to back. In its entirety. And how good that that all was. How good that was. <laughs> especially refreshing after the strange flop of book four. Yeah. But, ooh, it was really, really good. I think we both rated it like six or seven, or you went high or something. Yeah, I, I'm leaving room. I'm leaving room for the <clears throat> final three. and the, Or I meant the final four. Like That's why I'm not... A six doesn't mean bad. It means I'm saving room for dessert. I don't know. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah. But man, that was a good book. Was it set everything up nicely for the beginning of this book? I think book four of this. So what would that have been our thirteenth book, right? That was like the first time during this two years of the podcast now, right? Mm-hmm. That I've been like, woof, struggling. <laughs> that was the first time, and then book five picked me up right where I expected to be the entire time. Feeling good, loving life, loving the characters and all the choices. Not maybe not all the choices, but understanding them. Yes. And then we come to this week, where we start with chapter one. Starts exactly how I want every single one of these books to start. Guess what, Tim? Jaina Solo. <laughs> That's it. That's all I'm going to say right now. She is got to be one of the most important people in the galaxy. She is one of the most powerful people in the galaxy. She's so talented. I'm sick of saying it, right? Yeah. We should, we should just make a recording and just... <laughs> I think we do, technically. Yes, we record this every week. But... We have 115 man, recordings I, of it. You know, so tired of her doing nothing. Yeah. Or ignoring problems for lesser problems. bigger Ignoring bigger ones for lesser ones. But chapter one starts with Jaina and Lando dropping out of hyperspace, not at Coruscant as expected, because remember, Luke sent them home. They're heading back to Coruscant with the mission of tell the Jedi everything you can about this lost tribe of the Sith out here, right? Because they're new. Yeah. They're, nobody knows about them. Nobody knows anything about them, and people don't even know that they exist. They got a message out to Silgal, right? Ben, ben sent a message once upon a time. But other than that, there's no information. Yeah, they're just flying blind back home. Yeah, and they have enough of their own problems back there anyways. But yeah. get back home. And that's one of the other things that Ben tells Jaina. There's big problems at home. You need to go home. Luke wants him to go send the message. So it seems they're not at home. 
<laughs> no, they pop out of hyperspace and there's this like dust cloud that's not where it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's on the wrong side. Jane is like, it should be 40 degrees to port, blah, blah, blah. Because yeah. I'm a pilot and stuff. And <laughs> of course, I'm super physics genius. I don't know why 40 degrees means you're genius, but it seems someone has been emulating Lando's voice digitally on this all droid commanded ship, right? Mm-hmm. The entire rock hound, the, the, all two kilometers of this gravity generating mind tugger, mind tugger, <laughs> asteroid tugger is all staffed by droids. It's a huge ship. It's gigantic. It's huge. Gigantic. Someone has been faking Lando's voice and giving them orders. These droids can be fooled. Stupid ship heads. Jane and Lando decide it must be the Sith up to no good like the last book. So Jane recaps the last book a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tells us uh, Luke killed Abeloth. Remember that? I do. She's dead. Well, Jaina... The back cover of this very book would disagree. Okay, we covered that last. It week. tells us other otherwise. Yeah, or maybe it doesn't because it's kind of cryptic and strange. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, moving right along, she heads off into her stealth X to go do a little recon to see who. There must be somebody out there. That if if we've gone to the wrong spot, it's because we're being led to an ambush. I'm going to go in my stealth X that is very well prepared. Well repaired and in great shape for flying in combat. Okay, those last few things were a lie, but she does head to the Stealth X. And on her way, thanks Lando for everything. Thanks for all the help he's done for all the Jedi across all the years. You know, he always acts like he's looking out for his best self-interest, but he always truly is just taking care of his friends and getting them out of the... Tight situations they get themselves into. Yeah, because he's never a central point. He's always the guy they call in, hey, Lando, we need some help. And he's, he's always a right there. He's guy, right? Yeah. He's like, he's your, I don't know, he's your specialist NPC that you go to when you need the money item. The big, the <laughs> yeah. big money thing or whatever. Right? Yeah, he's the guy that knows everybody and. But she thanks him for everything and scares the shit out of me. And Lando. Yes, absolutely. He, in a nice self-referential moment here by mm-hmm. Troy Denning, Lando says, things get scary when a Jedi says that to you. <laughs> yeah. And Jin is like, oh, damn, I, didn't, I swear I haven't seen the future. I don't mean anything. But, but Lando gets it, man. Goodbye. Bye, <laughs> Lando. Thanks for everything. I'm out of here. And I'm, even though, you know, let's go back a year or so. Fuck that guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> But in Jaina's description of him, from her perspective, she's right. He's always been there to bail everybody out. At maybe at the last minute, maybe not always with a hundred percent pure intentions, but nonetheless, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I definitely ex- reading this little thanks for everything. One of them's going down. Yeah. Scary. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's nice that Jaina's over Empire Strikes Back, but I don't know if I am. <laughs> Speaking of things that I might not be over, Troy does another little callback here to the Yuzhan Vong War mm-hmm. from Jaina, from out of her mind. Loving all the connections here. A necessary ingredient to make the world's full and rich and the characters interesting. Okay? You can't go a whole book without mentioning there's a big bad guy now. Yeah. Just saying. 
I guess maybe this is just like, I don't know. This is what you should be expecting. And maybe I'm just, just sour from book four still. It was still a fun book. Yeah. <laughs> Stop talking about book four now. And talk about book six. This is the moment where we discover my favorite thing about this chapter. Okay. Okay, maybe second favorite. The problem on the rock hound is the little mouse droid. <laughs> and I'm like, man, if you're keeping up with the Mandalorian... Maybe it was actually last season. I don't remember. I watched everything in like one day. <laughs> but uh, I just recently saw Mouse Droid on The Mandalorian. I was like, you know, I always loved that guy back in the original series too. Those are little... They're just like in the way. What are they doing? Well, this one has been broadcasting commands in Lando's... In a poorly emulated Lando's voice. Yeah, just right? good enough for the droids to, not to catch on. That's right. But Jane is like the... Emphasis is on the wrong syllable type of shit. Mm-hmm. She's like, he doesn't quite talk like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I yeah. don't know, you know, whatever. Uh, she does a little more remembering for us, by the way. Re- remembering is a big theme of these first four chapters. Mm-hmm. As we really tightly tie the two books together. Yeah. You know, from ending to beginning. We're going to be uh, hashing back to, I guess, I guess everything that we're being called to remember is going to be important, right? So, so let's remember through Jaina's eyes or brains. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess through her brain. She remembers for us her broken engagement with Jag mm-hmm. and also executing her brother. Oh, um, yeah, that, that, the broken engagement when Jaina last series got all serious about fighting and doing all her training yeah. was when both Jag and Zach were like, okay, we're done with you. Yeah. And well, that was because she was in psycho mode. Yeah. And now she doesn't have a boy to think of anymore. So now she's like, all right, I'm part of the story now. I'm on a mission. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the unfortunate thing that happens to female characters a yeah. lot, right? Is like, you can't apparently have a boyfriend and, and a life. save the world <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have to have that romantic conflict with your female characters. <sighs> yeah. Honestly, the breaking the engagement with Jag thing again. So, so far of a fucking reach. Yeah, it's a bit melodramatic on Jaina's part. Yeah. As a character. Yeah. As a, as a, as a person, sure, crazy things happen in the heat of the moment if you're that upset. But like, Jess seemed <laughs> seemed really shoved right in the middle there. But don't forget, the engagement is broken. Also, she was the one who had to kill her twin brother when mm-hmm. he turned into a bad guy. And then, alert from RowdyBot, my favorite droid. The best. She programmed him, we talked about this before, with humor now. She reprogrammed him. Which she talks about, by the way. Was part of her getting over Jag thing, right? She's like, I threw myself into making stuff. And, and, yeah, and, and tinkering. And tinkering and, yeah. and, and mechanical work. And I'm just like, man, can't you just do it because you like it? And and that goes back to um, Anakin, because Anakin could feel droids, right? Well, he built 3PO. Yeah. Like, no, 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 not, not that Anakin. 
Aunt oh, Anakin, her brother. her brother. Yeah. He could, what like, about him? He feel them in the force? Feel them in the force, and he was a big tinkerer, too. Well, turns out they get it from their grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, right? Like, <laughs> which yeah. is strange if the man... Well, maybe it's not strange, because maybe the man himself was created, but tinkered through the force. And so then you you create this cosmic intergenerational connection of skill at creation yeah of adeptness that's an interesting weird idea (laughs) not really pertinent no but i they do all have this weird droid connection which i guess is really just more not exploitative of the theme but more showing of the theme like the droids are supposed to be comic relief sidekicks fun little buddies right Mm -hmm. and everybody needs to have a fun little buddy and all of our main characters are the blood of anakin skywalker (laughs) yeah you know other than han solo so (laughs) by extension not only do we need all of those characters to have a fun little buddy right Mm -hmm. because that's the that's the dynamic we want uh we also it just they all happen to be they just by function of needing to have a, a robot sidekick that they like they express this manifestation of their creation gene yeah whatever yeah they they use this their, is fucking nonsense they what use the creativity and to make droids and i don't know mess with their lightsabers and and, and, and stuff give your r4 r5 unit whatever they're on now yeah. PlayStation 5 R8. sold out. R5s yeah. are sold out. Yeah. The R4's got a bad motivator. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good joke, guys. I liked it. Anyways, back to the story. Alert from RowdyBot. Ships. There's ships coming. Yeah. Uh, he says they're not Sith. They're space pirates, baby. And as Jaina engages with them and jukes and jives... To get back to her stealth axe, which is partially disassembled. The yep. laser cannons have been taken off by order of mouse droid. Fake Lando. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was all nearly destroyed by ship before he just randomly ran away. Yeah, so she's only got three of her four engines. Yeah. There's other damage from that battle. She's only got... She's down two shadow bombs. Like, the whole thing is like... Jaina says, bye, Lando. Thanks for everything. And goes on a suicide mission. Yeah. Like, really. Like, outnumbered in an unknown way. When she gets in the ship, she's going out there to see what the ambush is. Yeah. Yeah, she has <laughs> no information whatsoever. Well, it turns out it's pirates. Mm-hmm. And not just any pirates. As she engages with them and battles with them and... and and whatever right yeah she's spinning and juking and jiving and every time she drops a shadow bomb which the jedi use with the force right so yeah you can't detect it and you don't give away the stealth x's stealth if you will yeah they use the force to pilot the bombs while they use the force to pilot the ship anyways every time she drops a bomb they start shooting the piss out of her <laughs> and she's like they must have force sensitive people on board yeah every time i use the force they're like tar- target lock right so not only are they space pirates, they're space force pirates. Mm-hmm. And I 
just I love that. <laughs> and I just this, I really dig that, you know. This whole thing you were you were talking about Rowdy and his humor algorithm or whatever. Yeah. That the exchanges between the two of them. My favorite part. Yeah, and she and the <laughs> she mentions something really kind of cool, just droid lore, I guess, where she talks about how the R fives have a tendency to rewrite their uh programming to reinforce their self-preservation modules or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. They they tend to rewrite their own brains to be less willing to die. Yeah. As a robot. That's very interesting. Yep. And the way that she has jigged the rowdy bot, he's hilarious. He is uh <laughs> he's sarcastic. <laughs> he's <laughs> that's a good word for it. And he also is highly motivated to throw them into the fire. He's totally fine with everything that Jaina chooses to do because he's like, well, guess we died today. Yeah. Like, he's just got this un- unwavering, I don't know, unflappable just silliness to him. Yeah. Which is, I guess, is easier as a droid. I don't know. Like the, the very first exchange, it, other than, uh, hey, there's, there's ships coming, the very first exchange you get between them is, oh, she says, oh, we're going to send him a message just to warn him. Say, hey, what's your intentions? Yeah. And he's like, well, I guess that'll make things interesting. And then, because <laughs> they can target her. stop just like the, the whole time. Them. And she's loving it, right? Yeah. I guess so. She programmed it. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> How funny can I make this robot? Yeah. As funny as I want it to be. <laughs> Could you imagine programming a robot into something that you hated just, <laughs> just because? Accidentally even? Yeah. And it's stuck that way? Oh, man. Oh, no. New bot. Just trade him out. Yeah. But Rowdy Bot's cool, and uh, boom, 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 Jaina blows up three pirate skiffs with shadow bombs, and it's time to get the hell out of here in the Rock Hound, jump away before the big ship that was with the three smaller ships starts shooting our big ship. Yeah. The small ships attacked, now the big ships must run from the other big ship. That's how space combat works. Mm-hmm. You engage with the ants. Yeah, and then the big leaves. She tells Lando to leave. She's like, "Just get out of here as soon as your coordinates are locked in. I'll be coming in full speed into your yeah, hangar bay." Yeah, yeah. she said, "Leave the containment field off." Yeah, because here I leave come. the door open. I'm yeah. coming in hot. And just like that, chapter one is done. Jaina Solo, opening twenty eight pages of action. Yeah, she had a whole chapter. She had. A tenth of the book. Uh, an eighth, a twelfth of the book. <laughs> I don't know. I'm bad at math right now. Fifteenth of the book? I don't know how many pages this thing is off the top of my head. But guess what Troy Denning just did? Exactly what I wanted, like he often seems <laughs> to do. I don't know. This guy writes the stuff in the spots I want it to be. It's very often. Yeah. You know? And it's like, six books of her... Making out with her boyfriend by the limo and climbing in his lap asking for favors and breaking off the engagement and being sad about that and having dinner with her family while the galaxy is like strange things are happening at the Jedi Temple. The government is falling apart and attacking your Jedi. Yeah. You're just hanging out. and <laughs> Doing nothing. She's had more in this book than I think she's had in the rest of them in this in That's the true, man. And in the last series, like, at least she was in there early again, too. Like, you know, at Relideer, she was kind of the head of that whole mission. She was the focal point of that whole 
initial, you know, attack to overthrow Karelian <laughs> revolution and all that jazz. But she was a main focus of a lot of of central sort of action sequences from, yeah. you know, arc to arc. This one, she's sort of been, right? Like at the beginning where she was breaking people out of jail a couple of different times, a couple of different ways. She's been involved, but it feels like on the periphery. Yeah. And then this book comes in and just starts with 28 pages of here's our focus. Let's see what happens. And not only does it do do that, give me all the Jane I want. And it's everything I dreamed it would be, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it also takes our problem and puts a new spin on it. The yeah. problem was that, you know, the Sith were going to be pursuing them. And that's dangerous. Well, now... It's not just a Sith problem. Now it's pirate Sith. Like, I don't know what's happening. Are there force sensitives with them that are just separate from the Sith? Have the Sith allied with some pirates for personal gain? You know what I mean? You pay them. Who knows? Or maybe this is the Sith that have been going out again and again to build up the fleet, like from the beginning. Well, when ship first got to him. But all the Sith ships were together all yeah. 1000 of them or whatever the hell it was right at the mall. And Luke sent all of them away so that it would be who was expected to be chasing them. Yeah. But we get twisted here with pirates, not just the Sith pirates, like regular tons of non force sensitive people. Mm-hmm. I like that. Just a little bit of a whoop, little rug pull right at the beginning. You <laughs> thought it was going to be this. It's not, it's actually secretly this. And then here's a question for you. Mm. Remember in an earlier book in a Jedi master meeting where offhandedly Kyle Katarn or somebody was like, oh, and there's rumors of Prince Zizor return and the black sun. Yes, I do remember that. Book six pirates. Yep. Maybe it's them. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's the Sith. I don't know. I don't know. And I like that. I don't know. Yeah. So the, uh, we don't need all the information right away. I like not knowing for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's chapter one. Yeah. Give us a couple. Chapter two. All right. Two days after Abeloth's death is where we're at in the timeline. And the crew of the Jade Shadow, Ben and Vistara, are scanning the planet for danger and making sure all the other Sith ships have left. And kept their word of the deal, right? Because mm-hmm. Luke said, we'll have me and Ben here and Vistara and her dad, Gavarkai, and his boss, High Lord T- Sarasu Talon. Three against two, that's the deal now. Not 1,003 <laughs> against two, right? So all the, make sure all the other ships are gone. Make sure everybody's keeping their end of the deal. And we recap Lord Talon betraying Luke in the last book when he tried to kill him. Yep. When they had a deal and the Sith broke it. And Vistara betraying Ben by pretending to be hurt and almost getting his dad killed. Right? Sith are bad. Yeah. So far, they're keeping to their word, though. All the ships are gone. All the ships are gone. And as Ben and Vistara bicker in the cockpit of the Jade Shadow, he lands a pretty solid (laughs) burn on her with this one. They're talking about 
something happened. You need to tell me. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Ben says, I can keep a secret, Ben interrupted, even for you. Ouch, Vistara said, recoiling visibly. Not nice. But deserved. Ben put a deliberate chill in his voice. Don't play on my emotions, Vistara. It reminds me of why I don't like you. Yeah, that's a good one. Ow. <laughs> Ouch, you bibbles. <laughs> yeah. That one hurts, man. But it also is a very telling psychological comment, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be reminded of why he doesn't like her. He only wants to be reminded of why he does like her because he fucking likes her so much. Yeah. Right. That's what that means. Whether the teenagers pick up on that or not. If you're putting a negative out there, well then the meaning is whatever fills in the blank. Right. Yeah. I don't want to be reminded of why I don't like you. I do want to be reminded of why I do, right? Just to touch base on the fact that, don't forget, Ben and Vistar are teenagers that both like her. Wait. Yeah, and that... <laughs> they both like her they a lot. They do, though. They like each other is what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> they do both like her. Yeah. And this gives Ben a little bit, because she's caught little glimpses of her inner emotions, but she has a visible reaction to that. Yeah, it hurt her feelings. It, that, it actually causes her, her like, feelings. I, I always, I, every time I picture the little, ow, you hurt my feelings, anime sad eyes. <laughs> 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 That's what I picture. She's got this flash of hurt. Mm, for a second, and the screen like turns blue around her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like very Sailor Moon style. Yep. Well, that hurt. Yeah. And she shows that it hurt. And Ben's like, oh, that's all part of the game, right? Mm. Yeah. Everybody's so super suspicious of each other. But he lands that super duper burn. And Troy is doing a lot of past to present connect the dots. And he's doing it again. When Ben says, no promises. I don't keep secrets from my father. Ben spoke with more heat than necessary. For the one time he had made the mistake of doing exactly that, his mother had died, and her killer had become Darth Kaidus. Especially not Sith secrets. Hey, don't forget how much weighs on this relationship. Yeah. You know? The, the guy the guy's known one other Sith in his life. Mm-hmm. Really. He didn't have very uh v- very too many is what I just almost said twice. So all right, all right. Here it comes. He just never had very too many interactions <laughs> with Lumaya, right? Yeah. Was, <laughs> you know, the big Sith in his life has been Jason, mm-hmm. and Jason killed his mom. Jason betrayed him in every way imaginable, <laughs> and his dad, and the Jedi Order. You know, Jason became the worst thing you could possibly be—a Sith. Well, now here he is, like falling in love with the Sith. And damn, don't forget all the weight of the the boulder rolling downhill through this relationship. Man. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah, I don't keep secrets because I did literally once and my mom got killed. Well, I'll talk about <laughs> melodramatic. <laughs> yeah. You know, there were a few more secrets, but they were all tied to the same thing. Yeah. And to be fair. It wasn't keeping the secret that got your mom killed. 
It was when you told her. Yes. Because then she went and got herself killed. But, you know, anyways. But you told your mom but didn't tell your dad, so you kept that oh, secret that's from right, your that's dad. Right. We're focusing on, on, on keeping secrets from Luke. Good. Thank yes. you for uh, the perspective shift. You're right. <laughs> but, yeah. Ow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's a lot of ouch behind everything here yeah. yeah it's it's a rough go for the for both of these two teenagers these 16 17 year olds yeah and not only does does troy call back to you know the last series what happened with mara ben even mentions that he was trained in the gag right when he's he's try, talking to vistara and trying to figure out if she's lying or what mm-hmm. she's hiding He's like, hmm, his eyes were trained by the Galactic Alliance guard to see the liars, but he didn't detect any liars here. Just girls he liked or wanted to really like. <laughs> He's looking yeah. for, like, micro expressions. and but just, you know, more connections, more callbacks, yeah. more making me feel like investing time in other books matters. Yeah, it was worthwhile to Which, do that. to be real is what everybody really hates about discarding the eu canon right Mm -hmm. is that we all invested time money energy interest emotions in this tremendously huge story right yeah or pockets of it parts of it and then that just is you're told that doesn't matter right yeah like no it matters to me i'm starting a podcast it it happened (laughs) you know we're not so mad about it because you know the books exist. We buy, we buy, we've had to buy almost every single one of these that we've <laughs> read. Fresh dollars for the authors. It's great, but you can just re-enjoy the shit that you enjoy. You don't have to hate other things. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a that's a definitive difference I would like to make here on this podcast. Yes, you know, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> Star Wars is okay, man. It's okay if Star Wars just feels bad to you or if it feels just okay to you hey man i don't know watch the ones you like yeah (laughs) read the ones you like it's still star wars and it's just a it's just different it's not it's not i don't think the sequel trilogies are bad i I think ray could have not been a palpatine and been way cooler Mm -hmm. you know that if that would have been a lie yeah and she is nobody or she is somebody well anyways fuck all that yeah back to the point back to what are we talking about (laughs) troy denning is doing a lot of connecting okay and And making me feel like the other stuff we read mattered and it's what i wanted for missing from that book i'm not going to talk about anymore (laughs) book to mort volta book (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i like book to mort but it was at this point in my notes that i had maybe an epiphany where I was like, this is kind of pretty standard expectation from a author in a large connected series. Mm-hmm. Pretty standard expectation to fucking connect the past to the new. If yeah. you want, you know, on so many levels, you should be doing that narratively for your characters. You should be doing that financially as a business prospect, right? Yeah. You should be doing it on every level for all the reasons. Mm-hmm. There's no reason not to. There's so much to choose what to connect to. You can only choose the things you like or that are appropriate for your story or pertinent to the story. Whatever, right? Yeah. That one book is just maybe making the standard expectation <laughs> really stand out. I don't know. I can't. 
I can't stop noticing it now, though. Yeah. And, you know, it's something every every large series of books does. That's going to be a large... That's going to be a loud word there because I just shoved the mic with my mouth. Large series. You always have recaps, right? Yeah. This is what happened last time, and here's what mattered, and here's what's going to matter moving through this book. Maybe it only seems better in these two because it was missing from the one before. Or maybe it's just really, really well done. And they're picking very important parts, Christy Golden and Troy Denning, to, to uh, I don't know, re-inhabit the characters with in these moments of remembrance. Yeah. Where they're like, they're remembering for us, the reader. I had a battle with ship. I had... Uh, like we were talking about in the last book, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, remember when we fought him on Lumai's asteroid? And that's how that's how it matters to her. That kind of yeah, thing. it gives all the characters more depth and substance as as a, as a person. Yeah. Rather than here they are on this page, and it, you know it's not so episodic mm-hmm. where you're like there's no there's no common thread through all the hundred books of narrative. Yeah, there's not really. But when you do things like this, it makes it feel that way more. And through these 18 books, these two nine book series, they're very closely tied together, right? Yeah, they, they all happen, take place within they two years. two years apart with almost all the same characters. Yeah. Other than R.I.P. But the other thing that's like a level of depth to this is that we're not only calling back to the last book, we're calling back to the last series. Mm-hmm. And it's that extra layer or that extra level deeper of connecting things that makes the recaps feel more natural. They don't sometimes in a, in a, you know, in a book series and the things that I've read, when you get the recap chapters in the beginning, they're very obtuse and stand out and they're a, a trudge to get through type of thing. Yeah. It's yeah, like a, a slog of information, all ex- expositioned at your face at one time. When you're doing it through multiple levels here, like, Hey, don't just, Remember what happened last book, because that's important for this book. This character is remembering further back and further back, right? To connect more dots and more events, because we have that depth of a collection of novels, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to have the luxury to be able to do that here. But doing it through multiple levels like that just makes it feel way more natural. Yeah. And this doesn't feel, as much as I am noticing every single callback, and connection and, and tie-in, I think. <laughs> I, I'm as much as I feel thing. like I'm noticing it a lot, it feels natural in the story. It feels like it fits in that spot. Yeah, because it's not, like you are saying, it's not a whole bunch of information all at once. It's not, here's some information about what happened right. over here from a different character. Yeah. It, like Jaina's thing was, she remembered at one moment, she remembered all the great things Lando's done. And then, and then a couple pages later remembers what she had to do to her brother. Mm-hmm. And with Ben, it's like on one page, he's remembering studying faces with the GAG. And then on the next page or another spot, he's remembering what happened with his mom. It's not all consecutive in a giant block of forced text. You know? Yeah, it's not it's forcing. Just, it's well to. woven, I guess it's, is what yeah. I'm saying. And uh, it makes makes it feel... Like, it matters to read the other stuff, man. Yeah. That's got to be how you sell shit. 
It, it's it's working. The characters remember very interesting things that happen. And if you haven't read the books, you go, huh? Hmm. Maybe I check that out. Like I did when I picked Betrayal off the shelf and I go, who's Jason Solo? Yeah. Maybe I check this out. Right. Connecting the dots. I don't know if it's just standard. I don't know if this is being done really well, <laughs> but I like it. Standard or not, it's important. Am I still rattled from book four to Mort? <laughs> that was maybe better. Voldefort? Yeah, no, bad. that was bad. All right. Plus, we're getting too close to saying it. Yeah. I don't even like Harry Potter. <laughs> Let's be honest. I never got into it. It's not that I don't like it. See, choose, yeah. your, choose your words more accurately. Yes. I don't. I just don't care about it. <laughs> that, that's does that feel better huh yeah. wizards muggles huh i was really into it so <laughs> i just I, I i wasn't i just was re-watching star wars man <laughs> sorry to tell you i was like oh yeah you know what we'll do instead we'll just cut to mustafar it's, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's still one of that uh, harry potter is still plays uh a part in my usernames i guess yes it does how about you huh mm. fancy boy Anyways, listen. Yeah, not not Harry Potter. Quit Star talking Wars. about Harry Potter. Okay? Sorry, you brought it up. There's another podcast I listen to called The Dragon Reread. If you like the Wheel of Time, download The Dragon Reread. I don't believe in in a in a in a famine society for podcasts. Okay, plenty of time, plenty of shit. Go download The Dragon Reread <laughs> if you like it. But you know what they do, Tim? They take month, two month long breaks in between each book. They do each book in chunks. In between each book, they take months-long breaks to do what? A fucking Harry Potter cast. Okay. Suck it. <laughs> I only want to hear about the Wheel of Time, even though I'm not done it. They're not caught up to where I am yet. <laughs> Anyways, great podcast. Also, the other one, I guess I'll plug it as Muggles with Attitude. I don't know if you guys, if you like Harry Potter. I might, I might want to get into that. The only other podcast I listen to is ours. It's interesting. I've listened to the first couple of books because I've never read the books, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the guys on the podcast has never read the books. Oh, okay, cool. And doesn't really care for Harry Potter. Like, huh. not that he dislikes it. I mean, like, never has been invested. In yeah, it. he's never so it's part like of his thing. my perspective. Yeah, all I right. I get that. I feel that. Back to our podcast <laughs> and this book, Troy Denning's Vortex. Chapter two, Ben and Vistar exchange trust exercises before sharing the secret between them and both confirming that ship is on his way back. Mm -hmm. He contacted Vistara first, but Ben reaches out to him and they have a whole mind chat about, you know, come to the dark side. The Jedi are doomed. The Sith will rule. Regular, yeah. regular Sith answering machine stuff. And I really liked this part. Uh, the end of this of this interaction with Ben and ship. Cause Ben is like, okay, ship is acting like a person yeah. and I know how to get him to try and reveal stuff. Right. Cause he's a sentient yeah. ship and ship catches on. He has a personality. realizes that Ben is trying to work him. Yeah. What is he, what is he doing again? Oh, I don't even I think Ben. I, okay. So at some point ship accidentally reveals something and like clams up and stops talking Yeah, he... at the end of the conversation. But Ben can't quite figure out what information slipped. Yeah, he can't. And figure... I couldn't either. No, he doesn't know what information slipped, but ship says, Oh Ben, you've gotten more crafty. Right. Yeah. And then he shuts down. Yeah, I like, that was cool. I like ships 
recognition of Ben yeah. growing up. The and, whole personification of Ship is really oh, cool. That's, but this whole chapter, I right, like this that, part. That bit of Ship remembering Ben, because Ben is the one who awoke him mm-hmm. from his millennia-long slumber on Zyost. Wow. Got it right. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> ben, you know, for Ship to remember Ben and recognize how much he's changed and grown is so cool. I, I liked that whole really interaction. Really interesting characterization of this intelligent ship. What's that word? Not intelligent. Sentient? Sentient ship. Mm. You used it already. I know. Well, I lost it somewhere between Zyos and <laughs> Peter. Okay, look at fuck along. It's, it's a long distance, Zyos. Sh- ship is returning, man. So Ben wants to go warn Luke, who is over at the caves still with the Sith evil boys, Talon and Kai. Mm-hmm. He and Vistara hold hands on their way to go check on Dion Stad in the med bay, mm-hmm. who is miraculously awake. Ben starts checking his wounds. Vistara steps out of the room and locks him in. And, and shorts out running. and shorts out the pad yeah, so he can't lightsaber get through the pad, lightsaber through the door mechanism, and he's gonna have to cut his way out, which is like no big deal, right? Yeah, it's. It's not like a blast door. It's just... Or maybe it is. Done. I don't think so. It's a She's med bay door. She's got a lot of... Yeah, but special mods on the Jade Shadow. Yes. If you're going to have a prisoner in the med bay, they might have a lightsaber. Which is where they put all their prisoners, it seems. Because they're good guys. Yes. They don't just put their prisoners in captivity. That's kind of an interesting point of order. The Jedi don't just put their prisoners in cells. They don't put them in carbonite. They don't just lock them in prison. Jedi rehabilitate their prisoners. Yeah, they want to f- fix them, make they them better. They want to fix and save everybody, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Why, as we talked about off the podcast before we started, why that logic was never applied to Jason Solo, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He was never he was never to be fixed. It was never somebody's job to stop him before no. it went too far. Even though, like you said, he's lighting planets on fire. <laughs> he's burning down Wookiee homes. He's trying to shoot his planets, his planets, his parents out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, oh, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's a little oh, weird. He's terrible. Oh, he's bad. And now he's got to die. Yeah. There was no middle ground. But there was a lot of middle ground. I but, would disagree. The whole time of Luke and Mara disagreeing about Ben spending time with Jason. Oh, that's true. Because Luke Skywalker didn't like his vibe. Yes. He's like, there's something wrong with him, and this is bad. So you know what I'm going to do about it? Sleep for nine books. Seven yeah. books. Anyways, anyways. Yeah. Back to the point. The Jedi are good guys. They yeah. rehabilitate their prisoners. Unless you're Jason Solo. Mm-hmm. No. (laughs) From the first time I read it, I always remember it as that. Even though I know definitively it's not. No. They speak. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So probably not. Yeah, it's more of a... But I don't... I remember it that way because it's way more dramatic, right? It it definitely is. It's more of an Anakin on... And it's it's like way more like a samurai film. I guess not. I guess not. The actual ending is more of a samurai film. Where it's like killing blow... Die in the arms, 
final words of redemption. Mm-hmm. Very Star Wars because Star Wars is Kurosawa samurai films, right? George Lucas was obsessed with that shit. Yeah. And that's why it's all, you know, single sword combat where you stand off against each other from a few feet away and Obi-Wan drops his robes. You yeah. Know, and like there's always time to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> films, right? Anyways, uh, Vistara ran away. Don't trust the Sith. Chapter yeah, no, three. she's gone. I don't know. Fuck. We're getting so... This should have been... We should have been done by now. We're, yeah. We're so off all over the place in this episode. Ben is locked in the med bay with the miraculously recovered Dion stat. This had to power down for a second. Yeah. And Vistara is gone. Chapter three. Luke sees some creepy ass statues in here. All around these... They're not at Abelot's cave. They're around the cave. Yeah, they're, they're a little burning bit away. all the plants away from the outside of the volcano structure. And all the dead Sith, apparently, that are around. Well, there was like a dozen people down here doing the net thing, right? Mm hmm. But yeah, I didn't know they all died. I didn't know. What did either. they get overloaded with the net or something when she escaped? No idea. Maybe that's how she escaped. Like, maybe that's how she escaped the net, and that's what happened to the people that were holding it. And feedback loop? They're dead. Yeah. (laughs) And And they're all in a pile. And being burned, because Luke prefers the smell of burning Sith to the smell of rotting Sith. (laughs) Nothing personal. He takes no joy in this, as he reminds us a thousand fucking times. Yes. And we'll get to that. But all around this place, there are creepy statues... That remind Luke Skywalker of statues from different places in the galaxy that he's seen. Ancient dead worlds. Mm-hmm. Remember? She was ancient. Also, she's dead now? The end of the last book would have you believe one thing. The back of this one would have you believe another. Yes. But she was ancient. Oh, also remember... The Jedi serve the Force. The Sith use the Force. Yes. Right. Distinctions that Luke Skywalker is making in his own head about why he's a good guy. Yeah. And why they are definitely bad guys. Over he's some little thing that they, the High Lord there, Talon, he moves the smoke out of his way. Well, so, same thing. Remember when Gavar Kai was running across the sand on Klatooine and he's yeah, like, look at this bitch. Yeah, keeping himself <laughs> keeping himself cool or whatever. Yeah. Cowards. Yeah. <laughs> they use the force to serve themselves. The Jedi use the force to serve the force. The greater good. Yeah. The force. Hey, that was way better. You did it. <laughs> you did it, buddy. I do things. You did it. Also remember that's a big theme in this chapter. Luke killed Lady Rhea at Sinkhole Station. I had forgotten her name until until (laughs) right here. Another callback. Again, not something he enjoyed. No. You know, sad. Sad when Luke Skywalker has to kill somebody. But the two of these people exchanging words right now, Mm -hmm. High Lord Talon and Luke Skywalker, both openly say to each other over and over again, blah, 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 when I'm going to have to kill you. Yeah. I'm not going to like it when I have to kill you. Oh, I'm going to love it when I have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? It's it's a hilarious little conversational exchange between the two of them that 
not only expresses the tension of this alliance, but also the inevitability of it. Mm-hmm. It's Jedi and Sith, man. It's inevitable. They can't get along forever. That would be impossible, right? There's no, there's no way a Jedi and a Sith could get along forever. Uh, already, they're at some sort of record. <laughs> and I just love that they're like telling each other how much they're going to love killing each other. Yep. Also remember, the Destructors are coming. Yes. And the Sith are Protectors, capital P. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And remember the Font of Power? Time to check it out. <laughs> yeah. Right? Luke and Talon walk over to the the leg, thigh-thick, bubbling, liquid, black liquid that smells like sulfur farts. Yeah, it's not good. It smells worse. Reeks than of the, dark energy. Smells worse than the dead bodies. All that jazz. Uh, they go to check it out. And it feels dark, deep, and can you guess? You say ancient. Ancient. Uh, <laughs> you got it, dude. You got it. Golden sets of eyes appear in the bubbling fountain, uh, which is fine. Yeah, that's normal. sure. Just multiple, like maybe a dozen or so, or a half dozen yeah. sets of eyes appear, and Luke is explaining to Talon what he knows about this place when he came here before beyond shadows with the goat man and skeleton boy mm-hmm. <laughs> the given Ryontar <gasps> I think the other skeleton man might have been a given either way I knew one of them started with an R that you're way, way, way past a, me I got a whole name bro he's telling him what the font, font what he knows about the font of power the eyes are appearing in the thing. Talon calls them prisoners and then says their promises are not to be believed or whatever. Mm-hmm. So while they're standing there, this deep, dark, ancient well of dark side energy that is ancient, if I've said it enough times, yeah, is reaching out to the high lord of the lost tribe of the Sith, making him promises. Yeah. Which is something it never did to Luke. It does not speak to Luke. No, never. it never did. But based on what we're inferring from Talon's comments, it does to him. And that's scary. Yeah. But, as we alluded to earlier with all the distrust and the tension between this alliance, this must be some sort of Jedi trap. <laughs> so, or some kind of trick, you know, because these guys... All tried to kill each other two days ago. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget that. These guys are on a wild ride. They've been hanging out nonstop <laughs> since they all tried to kill each other while trying to kill this ancient tentacle woman. Yep. Or capture, depending on which side you're on. And apparently for two days telling each other how much they either are or are not going to enjoy killing one another. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best alliance ever. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. They just tried to kill each other two days ago, and they're all stuck together and, by choice. And threatening death upon each other the entire time. Oh, that's so fun. And then, like, back on the ship for two days, while everybody's making preparations and jumping or whatever, it's Ben and Vistara locked in their own tense alliance. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't trust you. Uh, hurt your 
feelings. Uh. Oh, I don't trust you either. And I don't have feelings. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) There's these two, you know, different degrees of reflections of the same thing playing out. The same, uh, the same conflict. That's the word when two things are against each other. Yeah. Are at odds. So, so how long until this tense alliance breaks in, in either scene, in either category, which one breaks first, <laughs> Luke and the High Lord who keep constantly threatening to kill each other or Ben and Vistara who are constantly trying to find ways to love each other. It, it, they're both so tense that anytime anyone opens their mouth to say even hi, I'm expecting, nope, that's bad. Slice. <laughs> <laughs> Any second now, the we're gonna hear a gonna hear a little better than yesterday probably, but you're gonna hear it. Chapter four. Vistara, in her head, we're in Vistara's head. I like this. I love it every time, man. We don't get a lot of this. So cool and so smart. Yeah. I like hearing her thoughts because she's very interesting. And we don't get a whole lot of it either, so it's no. great. As we shouldn't, right? Yeah. Anyways. God, she's so cool. <laughs> what a cool new character. Her dad's not cool. No, he, he's, he's... a bit of a prick. Yeah, and he's off to the side anyways. Yeah. But anyways, we're in Vistar's head. Chapter 4. We're in Vistar's head. In Chapter 4. Yep. In Vistar's head. And she thinks, Vistar thinks in her head, in chapter four. In chapter four. I could have blew Ben up, but I don't wanna. <laughs> uh, you know, like the first part is like, I know I'm supposed to kill him. And then the second part is like, teenage angst rebellion. That's how I'm reading it in my own head anyways. She's mad that she's grown fond of Ben Skywalker to the point of doing risky things instead of killing him. Mm-hmm. She's never cared for anything that much. Her her best dragon friend was murdered in front of her or something, right? Uh, was, or insinuated, threatened yes. to have been. to be. Yeah. She was willing to give up her only friend, her only lifelong friend. And this thought is a callback. Yes. To Lady Rhea, very specifically telling her at the beginning of her training, mm-hmm. when Ship chose her and they all went to the big glass beautiful tower where the Sith train Lady Rhea told her never love anything so much that you're not willing to kill it well she locks Ben Skywalker yeah right yeah like ring that bell through the rest of the books because that's a message that's going to be echoed over and over as she locks Ben in the med bay and she's like, I kind of threw a grenade in there. And I'm sure we're going to see consequences of that compounding upon each other as long as they're both still alive. Yeah. So damn you fondness and bring on the teenage rebellion, I guess. But she resolves to kill Ben as she's running through the forest on her way to beat him to the cave to tell everybody that ship's coming. She thinks, you know what I should do? So that I don't embarrass myself when I get there. Because <laughs> I shouldn't arrive with a Jedi. He should be dead. I'm going to ambush Ben. So she starts setting up her ambush in the super dangerous jungle. And uh, in the process, 
She gets all tangled up in Danger Jungle. Yeah, she gets pollenized and it starts to make her go blind and... Some metaphor here, I'm sure. Nah, I'm eh? sure. <laughs> she ends up dangling from a branch over a cliff edge. And Ben comes to the rescue. Mm-hmm. But only on one condition. Vistara must promise, quote, no more betrayals before Ben will save her. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's more metaphors here, right? I wonder maybe if the branch that she's tangled in could be an olive branch, Tim. Metaphorically speaking, symbolically. Right. You know what I mean? Like, she's at this crossroads where she has decided... I'm going to ambush Ben and betray him and kill him because that's the right thing to do. Yep. And then she literally ends up on the end of a branch needing him to grab the other end of it and save her life, right? She needs his mercy because setting up to kill him was the wrong choice. Yeah. This is like, you know, this is the obvious symbolism, not symbolism, the subtext. Headed in. Headed in? Headed in and in? Subtext hidden in that symbolism. Yes. (laughs) Is that she literally hangs herself over the edge of a cliff. She's at the edge now, and this is where she chooses either to turn back or to continue on. Either you promise not to betray me anymore, or... I don't know, you know, Ben's not going to let her die or whatever. No, no. But whatever the consequence may be, you have to promise because we're teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. So a promise made, moving on, and we cut to Ben thinking. Vistara's promise to him was stronger than she knew, and any trust he placed in her would only increase its power. And I'm like, what? Did he do a magic promise? <laughs> is that her force promise? That's what did what he thought. do? Did he? Is this a magic promise? I, I, I don't know for one page and then nope. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out it's just regular promise power. Rather than risk looking foolish in front of her father and Lord Talon, she would honor her word and discover how good it felt to keep a promise. And once she had taken that first step toward redemption, Ben would have her. He would keep drawing her into the light a little at a time, just as his father had done with his mother, and eventually Vistara would grow accustomed to its warmth and move out of the shadows forever. Loved it. Me too, man. Loved it. He finally said it to himself. Yes. This is what I want. This is my plan to make it happen. I want to save this person from the inherent badness of their culture. Mm -hmm. Not inherent badness of yourself. Yeah. Right? She is a product of her environment as much as anything. Yeah. And so Ben, having seen many people saved from or heard of many people saved and turned from the dark side, several in his own family. His dad, his grandfather, his cousin kind of wavered back and forth for a month there. Mm-hmm. Went during the Yuzhan Vong War, and then he kind of came back good, and then he turned out bad. This whole thing is like something he's seen so many times. But for him to verbalize this plan yep. to himself, 
in his thoughts. But when you put a plan in words, that's a meaningful thing. And when you put a plan in text in a story, that's a very meaningful thing too, but I'm not sure which way. It, it does point to, as much as it's kind of looked like it and seemed like it, what Ben's true motivations are mm-hmm. for for Vistara. And I liked the parallel that it drew between Mara He's very specifically was like, my yeah. dad and my mom did yeah. this. I, I can like do that. this. But what I really mean is like, once you, the author, put this plan on the page, it now becomes a question of... For sure, the question be uh, is crystallized now. Yes. Will this work or will this not work? Yeah. And I don't know which way. If this scene is a reflection, it's gonna work because she is going to force herself into situations where she needs to trust Ben, mm-hmm. and he's gonna prove goodness over and over again to her. Yeah. Prove if that this she can hanging trust him. over the cliff thing is symbolic of that, right? Yeah. If their relationship is going to happen, it's going to be him saving her from the precipice of doing the worst thing there's no coming back from. Cutting yourself free from the tree with your lightsaber while you're blind hanging over a cliff. Mm-hmm. Does it get more metaphorical? <laughs> I don't know. It's no. pretty obvious. Yeah. She's blind. She's she's acting violently. And she's about to cross the line of no return. Mm-hmm. So now Ben has her right where he wants her. As far as I can make her make a promise and show her that good is good. Mm-hmm. It's good to be good. It feels good to tell the truth. Yeah. Like it just, if I can, if there's any children listening, <laughs> teenagers listening, young people listening as a 33 year old man, doesn't feel good to not tell the truth it doesn't feel good to keep secrets no it just feels good to like be your open and honest self all the time and the only way you can really do that is by consciously choosing not to do bad things when the opportunities inevitably arise bad being variable apply it to your own morality but the only (laughs) way that you can really Ever live that fulfilled life is like by by being honest. It doesn't feel good to tell lies and backstab for millennia of a culture. Mm-hmm. He knows as soon as she takes those first steps in the light, I got this fucker. Yeah. Because it feels so good to be good, man. Yeah. She's going to like it and she's going to want more. How's it feel to be bad? Feels bad, man. So I don't know. What do you think? Does writing it out mean... It's going to happen, or does writing it out mean it's not? Well, writing it out, for me, puts it in, we're going to see him trying, and we are going to know that I'm hoping for Ben (laughs) that it works out for him. At least now, we know that he has this intention purposefully. It's not anymore just, it's now graduated from a game of let's you know, play around with these feelings that we have and try to get information from each other. Mm -hmm. It's now somehow two days after she almost got his dad killed, graduated to a level of it's my mission to save her because I love her. Yeah. 
that's a totally different that, thing. That's a whole this other level. This is a yeah. major turning point in their relationship, and she doesn't even know it yet. Nope. This is something that he's decided in his head, which is such a misogynistic view of a relationship. Yeah. I decided I'm going to save her, and she's going to fucking like it. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, you know, you're talking about evil versus good. So uh, Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you hide the misogyny in the broader themes. <laughs> but will it or won't it? I don't know. Either way, I love that he thinks it. Yeah. So descriptively, directly, and concretely. This is his plan. He's got a vision board, bro. Yeah. First step, make her keep a promise. Last step, just like mom and dad. Yeah. And I almost want to cry saying that. Yeah. You know? Where, where do I not, see us in five years? Would they not have exactly the same dynamic between the two of them? Absolutely. The, the trained same. killer, bad guy turned good, mm-hmm. and the innocent, sheltered... Moisture farmer kid? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ben's not. No, he he's not. Much is. You know, to the same to some degree, they would have a very similar relationship. And maybe that. Is that more evidence that it will happen? Is that more evidence that it won't happen? I don't know, but it's time to meet up with the dads. And watch these two teenagers keep promises to each other while trying to lie their asses off to their magic fathers, (laughs) which is goddamn hilarious. Of course, Ben and Vistara were ordered to stay in the Jade Shadow, so when they arrive, the question is, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. And whose fault is this? One of you, it can be your fault and you'll die. (laughs) One of you, it can be your fault and like everything's cool. So this whole idea of keeping promises between the two of them is that Vistara is not going to tell the Sith that ship is coming before Ben gets to tell Luke. Yep. And then that's it. Deal complete, right? That's the promise. That's the promise that they're going to keep to each other. And they do lying (laughs) through their teeth in a situation where I think they only get away with it because of the pre-existing inherent tension and everything yeah. between the between the two dads that they're trying to lie to, right? And one dad, I think, is kind of on the side of lying. Mm-hmm. And he, Luke can kind of tell what's going on to a point, but sorry, I just wanted to yeah. say, like, what they're doing is they're, they're trying to come up with an excuse for why they're here, and they reverse the story. Yeah. And Ben's lies, or at least one of them, is showing Vistara again, you can trust me, I'm not going to get you hurt. He says, no, it was m- I ran, she chased after me. Right, exactly. That's, so that's what not I'm saying. They trouble. set yeah. it up in reverse, where Ben's the one who locked her in the med bay, so she had to chase him, right? Yeah. Not, she left him alive. Yeah. Got attacked by plants. And saved by Jedi Boy Scout, Savior Man. Yeah, she didn't have to admit that she failed in every single job that she had. Yeah, and purposefully. Yeah. So, the pressure's off a bit, Yeah. right? Ben takes the heat, he lies for her, which is, this is creating a weird dynamic in their relationship to Foundation. Mm-hmm. I will lie for you. I will lie for if you. If you lie for me, I'll lie for you. <laughs> That'll show her how good it is to be good. <laughs> I don't, you know, a bit of it a mixed weird. message there, but yeah. that's funny. Kind of, that makes kind of good sense coming from teenagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't know what's going on. You know how I'll teach her to tell the truth by telling good lies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm so lost right now. It's right now. Anyways, they 
lie their asses off. They manage to convince their magic fathers and the big bad guy to enough of a degree that Ben Rand Vistara chased him. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. They lie for each other. They keep their promises. And now Vistara is in trouble. Yeah. Because she failed to some degree. Luke wants Ben to steal Abeloth's three days dead corpse and sneak away with it in the middle of everything that's happening right now. We show up to the scene where Luke and Talon are about to kill each other. Yeah, looking into the pool of... Gavar Kai is pretending to try to light this body on fire because he's not doing a very good job of it for someone with magic. Yep. Okay. Luke reveals that he wants the body. He wants Abeloth's body so they can study it, figure out what she was. But of course, so do the Sith, because why wouldn't they want what you want, right? Mm-hmm. So while they're lying and Vistara's getting in trouble with High Lord Talon, Luke pulls this diversion of like, well, he's going to beat your daughter over there. Aren't you going to do something? No, well, then I will. And he like righteous dad storms off to go interrupt this conversation, which Gavarkai is terrified of. That means death. Yeah. So in the distraction, he wants Ben to take Abeloth's body back to the Jade Shadow. Which is over an hour away. Through a deadly forest. Yep. But what better plan do we have at this point, I guess? <laughs> I guess. So Ben ends up in a forced tug of war with Vistara over Abeloth's body. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you? Yeah, that's kind of gross. The tug of war is given up because Lord Talon comes to kill Ben Skywalker when he realizes the Jedi have betrayed us. They're trying to steal the body, right? Yeah. And he comes over and he whoops Ben's <laughs> ass. <laughs> so hard. Within an inch of his life, holding him by the ankle with a lightsaber to his chest, about to kill him when Vistara yells. Wait, it's a trick. Everybody freezes, and I'm like, oh my god. Is she lying to save Ben's life right now? Mm -hmm. Because, whoa. Yeah, that's a big step. The repercussions of that are, of course, death. But, like, everything has been so far. I mean, that's how the Sith work. Yeah. Not a very good system of punishment. (laughs) No. Nobody learns if if the dead. It's hard to learn. This is a good point. Hard to be rehabbed when you're dead. (laughs) I'm like, is this really happening right now? This is scary as fuck. Yeah. But no. The tug of war is over. She has Abeloth's corpse now. And the sheet that had been laid over it Mm -hmm. is off. Has fallen off. Only it isn't Abeloth. It's Dion Stad. Yes. Oh, I got goosebumps (laughs) saying that because that's creepy. And those are the last three words of our chapters in this episode. Mm -hmm. It's Dionstad. So we have Ben hanging over the cliff of death. Yep. In the hands of High Lord Talon. And Vistara returns the favor 
of saving his life. Yeah, because she, she could have waited. She, there's this information has nothing to do with saving Ben's life, other than the suspicious tension between the Jedi and the Sith. Mm-hmm. It must be another Jedi trick. It's not Abeloth. It's Dion Stad. And oh shit. Does that mean Abeloth is alive? Does that mean Abeloth is the Dion Stad in the Jade alone? Shadow? <laughs> On the Jade Shadow? Oh no. Find out next week when we cover Fate of the Jedi, Book 6, Vortex. Chapters 5 through 8. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. What a star! Big things. Big things. That was a Legion of Doom for you. I like it. What a rash. That almost made me puke. <laughs> for any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.